start again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any questions? My report. Yeah, I was wondering about the Bhagavatam. If certain sections are more important to study than others, or is it all pretty, pretty much equal as far as study goes? certain sections that uh, are more important than others. The most important section is the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam. And when Rupa Goswami says that there are five very potent angas of bhakti in his um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Sadhu Sangha, Nam, Kirtan, Bhagavat Shravan, to live in a holy place, worship the deity, was the other two, I forget the Sanskrit. Srimuti. Mm, anyway, Sadhu Sangha, you understand that. Uh, Bhagavat Shravan, here in the Bhagavatam. Uh, so, Sadhu Sangha, here in the Bhagavatam, uh, living in a holy place, Turabhas, um, worship the Sadhu Sangha, Nam, Nam Kirtan, Bhagavat Shravan. So, Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan. Hearing the Bhagavatam, living in a holy place, and worshipping the deity. So, these five things, very potent forms of, uh, of bhakti. And among them, Bhagavat Shravan, hearing the Bhagavatam. So, and I do believe in his commentary on that, Jiva Goswami says that this means the tenth canto. So, Tenth canto is most important. It's the Ashrayi Tattva of the Bhagavatam. There are ten subjects of the Bhagavatam. Nine of them are thought to be sheltered topics, and one of them is the shelter-giving topic. Like Avatar Tattva is a sheltered topic. Vamsa, Vamsanucharita, a list of the Vamsas, the character of the Vamsas means the lineages, kings, and so forth. Their character and stories about them will be there, for example. Um, these are some the poshana, maintenance of the devotees, the um, uh, hmm? uti, nirodha, mukti, stana, poshana, yeah. the secondary creation, the visarga, sarga, visarga, stana, poshana. Hmm? Ishanakrita, I mean, Avatar, Tattva, all these things. These are the subjects of the Bhagavatam. Nine of them, again, are sheltered. One of them is the shelter-giving. So, the shelter-giving, the Ashrai Tattva is Krishna, and the tenth canto is all about him. The whole book's all about him. But the tenth canto is, is, his, is his story, so to speak, from beginning to end. And so that's emphasized. Um, of course, Prabhupada emphasized the first nine cantos you should read first, and his idea behind that, of course, was that 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 the, in order to understand the tenth canto, the beautiful stories of Krishna, 
it helps to know all the things that are sheltered by him, so that makes you understand that he's not an ordinary boy, um, which could be misunderstood. That's kind of the spirit of Prabhupada's um, emphasis along those lines. At the same time, if he emphasized like that, of course he gave the tenth canto first in the form of the Krishna book <laughs> to uh, all of his students and had us distribute them to all kinds of people uh, as well. So, uh, <laughs> so sometimes statements have to be adjusted, right? And they appear and they contradict one another, so it seems. So, anyway, this is the point is this is the main section of the Bhagavatam. Now, in the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam, there are also main sections. So, because Krishna in Braj is the main, is Swayam Bhagavan, he's the source of. Maturesh Krishna, Dwarkesh Krishna, Krishna going to Matura, Krishna going to Dwarka. Therefore, the stories of Krishna in Braj within the tenth canto are the most important. You have the Matura section and the Dwarka section and the Vrindavan section. In Ujjval Nilmani, Rupa Goswami explains that Krishna in Dwarka is perfect. Krishna in Mathura is more perfect. Krishna in Vrindavan is most perfect. In one sense, the tenth canto builds up to the, within the tenth canto, to the Rasa Leela, and then Krishna, a couple chapters or so later, goes to Mathura and Dwarka, and these are afterthoughts that, in one sense, properly understood, reflect back on the glory of the love of Vrindavan. And so, we're building on it. Uh, tenth canto, the section in the tenth canto on the Brajlila, and within the Brajlila, there are three. Krishna has three identities. Krishna is the son of Vishoda, Nandanandan, Vishoda Nandan. That's one of his identities, and he is a cowherd boy. That's another identity. This speaks first of his Kumar Lila and then of his Poganda Lila. Obviously, when he's a cowherd boy, he's also the son of Yashoda. But at that time, he's meeting with friends and he has a life away from home, too. Hmm? So it's it's same Krishna, but it's another identity. So this is the Sakiras identity of Krishna as a, as a cowherd boy. And Krishna has a third identity as the... Uh, Beloved of Radha, or the lover of Radha, hmm. Radha Nath. Hmm. Um, and this is relevant to his Kishore Leela. Hmm. In the manifest, in the Prakat Leela, appearing in the world as it's thought to. Uh, <coughs> so, because of the three identities, if you will, of Krishna, corresponding with Vatsaliras, Sakiras and Madhuryaras, there's Chedi Bhav, as Krishnas Kaviraj explains, four Bhavas of Vrindavan, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsali, and Madhurya. But the Dasya Rasa is tinged with Sakya, 99.9% of the 
cases. Hmm? Uh, that's why once, one of the reasons why once when Prabhupada was pressed by one of his disciples, Rishikesh Ananda, who had spent time in Gaudiamath, um, when Prabhupada was in India and came back with some more esoteric um, understandings and information, I guess you could say, than most of Prabhupada's disciples uh, had, because Prabhupada was preaching to the West and introducing new ideas and so forth. So some of the um, more esoteric concepts, Prabhupada had kind of a, a break on those, or he, or in general, Prabhupada wrote, and I was explaining this to somebody earlier today, in a sense, in, a bre- in an abbreviated way, about a number of issues and topics. Um, and, and that, perhaps owing to his sense of um, you know, the need to be expedient, given um, his age and his health, he, he said that at times. He wasn't sure if he would finish. And, and, of course, he was doing other things, too. Uh, at the same time, traveling, opening centers, managing them, corresponding with disciples and so forth. So he's very busy. Uh, but this, uh, that aside, uh, we know that this is the case, that he wrote in an abbreviated way on some topics, um, because if you study the books and the commentaries on the books that were his own resources for writing, probably didn't write in a vacuum, he had... The commentaries, for example, on the Bhagavatam of so many acharyas that he would refer to and study, and then he would write his own commentary. So, so if you if you are familiar with those, then you can see in many in many instances where Prabhupada is abbreviating, saying something in a shortened way, um, and that's the advantage then of being able to take it to study those other books, which he's made possible for us, uh, to his disciples, for example, by, as I said the other day, if you get initiated by the real guru, then you have access to the whole guru parampara. And, of course, his disciples and others have translated some of these books in languages that, uh, outside of Sanskrit, that others can read, and, and so on. So it's a great advantage. Hmm? And you can kind of see proper in context. You can see, oh, he's got this. This is coming from Jiva Goswami here. This is coming from Vishwanath. This is part of this. And, and so on. His own insights, of course, as well. But that's very helpful to understand. But I guess, again, again Prabhupada was, didn't appear in a vacuum. He didn't just close his eyes and you know, hold the pen and it moved. Something like that. <laughs> um, so... Um, so sometimes, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in an abbreviated way, he would he would comment. And Hirshikesh Ananda had, as I said, had spent time in Gaudiamat, and some of the topics like Manjari Bhav was not something Prabhupada wrote about. I mean, he wrote about the Gopis' loves, the highest love, and you know, he studied his books. You couldn't miss that, but um, he didn't go into as many details. In another culture, in India. For example, Gaudiamat was largely in India, and dealing also to a large extent with Gaudiya Vaishnavism that that Sarasati Thakur was critiquing. He was critiquing his own tradition, 
And so there was a lot of, in his estimation, misrepresentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and also the estimation of Bhakti Vinod as well. And he followed the lead of Bhakti Vinod to critique and and um, and try to kind of root out hip, would be, I guess, at the core, what he tried to do is root out hypocrisy within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Saying one thing, but you know your life is, is otherwise. Um, and high topics, too. Um, so, Prabhu was a little conservative about that. Anyway, so, long story, but short, but the Hrishikesh Ananda was asked Prabhupada once, so is everybody, all, are all the Acharyas in our Gaudiya line in Manjari Bhav? And Prabhupada says, oh, so you know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so on. And, and then Prabhupada's Prabhupada said, down to Sakya. That's how he answered, down to Sakya. So in one sense, what he means is that it begins at Sakya. Maho bhagya, maho bhagya, nanda gova vrachokasam, yan mitram paramanandam, puna brahma sanatana, as Brahma said. Hmm? Oh, how lucky, oh, how lucky are all the, the nanda gopa people, the followers of Nanda Maharaj, all the Gopa people, because Yan Mitram Paramanandam Purna Brahma Sanatanam, the Purna Brahma, the yes, uh, eternal Brahma, full face of Brahman, Yan Mitram Paramanandam, the supreme joy, has become the friend of everyone in Vrindavan. Hmm? This is a, a, a general so idea. This You don't have this in Vaikuntha. You don't have this in Ayodhya. You don't have this in Dwaraka. You don't have this in Matura. You have this in Vrindavan. Hmm. And you have, of course, the full face of Atsalya and of Madhurya. But the ground, in one sense, is probably saying, down to Sakya. This is the ground. It begins to... Of course, he's also in Sakyabhav, so he answered that way <laughs> as well, um, which is a beautiful thing. Hmm. But the point is that that I'm making is that the, even the Dasya Bhav of Vrindavan is tinged with Bhakti, with Sakya. So you have Sakya tinged with, 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 with Dasya, you have Dasya tinged with Sakya. You have Sakya tinged with, with Vatsalya, you have pure, unadulterated Sakya. You have pure Vatsalya, you have Madhurya, and, and different varieties, so many varieties of that, and so forth. But these, Dasya, excuse me, Sakya, Vatsali and Madhurya, these correspond with the three personalities, if you will, of Krishna. The son of Yasoda, the friend of Sridham, and the lover of Radha. Hmm. So within the tenth canto, and within the Brajlila section of the tenth canto, the most perfect representation of Bhagavan, then you have these three sections. For example, the in chronological order, excuse me, the the Vatsalya section comes first because he's younger and he's going through the chronology of Krishna's life there, and so you have uh, the, the the real powerful Vatsalya Rasa section is the Damodar Lila. It covers several chapters. It's very. Um, um, the 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 the, the uh, this parental love 
really is just oozing in this section. And then I'll get back to this. But then you then you move to the tenth can to the to the to the Brahma Vimohan Lila, the the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth chapter of the tenth canto, and then the fifteenth chapter, the killing of Danukasura. This is the Sakirasa section. Just as Krishna just starts to step from Kumar, herding calves, into Pauganda Lila. And a very powerful section for this. Uh, the Pogondalila really played out in the ten, in the fifteenth chapter, and then it leads to the uh, Sesh Pogonda, the end of the Pogonda, and stepping into Kishore. As the end of the chapter, there ends with Krishna glancing at the gopis as he's coming back from the forest, and they exchange glances and so forth. And, and then, of course, um, the Madhurya Rasa Center is there in the Rasa Naspanchajai, the five chapters of the Rasalila. 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, five, five chapters. Hmm. And so these are centers within the Braj center, which is a center within the Tenth Canto center, which is a center within the entire the other nine chapters, or nine cantos, twelve, eleven cantos of the Bhagavatam. Now, of course, we, if we go within that, then the Madhurya Rasa Center is the is the um, fullest kind of where the greatest intimacy with Bhagavan can be um, um, derived. And this is the important point here that I wanted to come back to: that in these centers of on Vatsa, of this Vatsali Rasa Center, this Sakya Rasa Center, this Dasi Rasa Center. What is really being portrayed there is these types of love of Krishna. They're about Krishna. But they're about Krishna in such a way as to showcase these types of love for Krishna, these rasas, so that that upon reading them, having had sadhusanga, those feelings, attraction... For, the, for, for those sentiments can be cultured within the sadhaka. So this is the speciality of the Bhagavatam. It is, what I'm saying is, it's more about love of Krishna than it is about Krishna. So Bhagavatam means Krishna, Srimad means Sri in a sense, beautiful. Hmm? The beautiful Krishna, Krishna is pretty good looking, but when he stands next to Radha, then he becomes very, very, very beautiful. Mm. That's the idea. Mm. When it was brought out in the Rasli, next to his Shaktis, then he shines that much more, more beautifully. Mm. So the Bhagavatam is about this, about the love of Krishna. These primary possibilities of love of Krishna showcased in the Braj Lila. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to offer these the world. So these are the. This is the most important section, in a sense, in the tenth in in the Rasalila section. Of course, that's where you find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. Hmm? At the apex or zenith of that section, you find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Chaitanya Charitamrita is the most important part <laughs> of the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> 
because uh, it, it, it picks up where the Bhagavatam leaves off. There's, it's at its height and, and, and these very esoteric questions of Krishna arise, he, this, this aspiration to taste love of the gopis, and uh, he makes a, a promise to them to pay them back hmm, by, by really becoming devotees of them and making devotees for them. Hmm. Which is uh, then his appearance as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, so the Bhagavatam is, on, is an ongoing affair. Chaitanya Charitamrita is the natural extension of the Bhagavatam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the same Krishna. So, hmm. so a case could be made study the Chaitanya Charitamrita first, then study the Bhagavatam. Prabhupada used to say, study the Bhagavatam first, and then the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but the case could be made for the opposite as well. And there you're going to find also, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, a number of Bhagavatam verses that are cited by um, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in support of the basic philosophical and theological points that he makes that constitute the main, well, the theology and the philosophy of Gaudi Vaishnavism. Hmm? So, this is another way in, uh, of finding important sections of the Bhagavatam, what, what text he has cited. Mm-hmm. You could make a book of the Bhagavatam verses cited in Chaitanya Charitamrita and study those. And you study them, then you go to the, go to the chapter they're in, you read them, you understand the context mm-hmm. that they're in. This is how to study books, you see. Mm-hmm. And then you find what other commentaries on the verses there are. And in those commentaries, there may be references to other verses. Then you go to those verses, and this way you sort of find yourself, live in the books, and find yourself moving around from section to section, and so on and so forth. Now, this is the same thing in a sense that, uh, but even more so, that Jiva Goswami has done with his Satsandarbha. Satsandarbha are six sat treaties or necklaces. Sandarbha means like a necklace. And what he's done with them is strung together so many Bhagavatam verses hmm, in a necklace, in a treatise. So practically the whole book, he does cite some other, you know, Vishnu Purana a little bit here or the Vedanta Sutra here, but primarily it's all verses of the Bhagavatam. I have a thought, I haven't retired it yet, but it came to me some time ago to write a book hmm, like Satsandar Vasar, the essence of Satsandarbha, just taking out the Bhagavatam verses, all the Bhagavatam verses in Satsandarbha, and stringing them together and writing a commentary and kind of condensing it. These are good exercises for devotees who have the capacity to help the community access the teachings. You find Vishwanashakoti Thakur did this, like with his Madhurya Kadamani, with his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu, the drop from the ocean of Bhakti Rasamrita, Bhagavat. What is it? Brihat Bhagavatamrita Khan, like a particle of the Brihat Bhagavatamrita type book. So he was with a mind to help the community understand the core um, books of the founding Acharyas. So um, that's another way to, anyway, you look at the Satsandarbha as it, as it comes out in English. I think the Tatvasandarbha is in English and the Bhagavatsandarbha is available in English. And, uh, you know, Jiva Goswami is going to draw from all the cantos, verses, 
And so they're all important, and you, you start to see why they're important there, how he uses them, and see what those sections are talking about, and how they are uh, making key theological, philosophical points that, that constitutes what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is. Hmm? So it's uh, kind of such a Dharma, kind of a commentary on the Bhagavatam itself. Uh, Bhaktivinotaka wrote a book called Bhagavat Arkham Mala, A Thousand Rays of the, of the Bhagavatam, a thousand verses, and he categorized them in terms of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana, verses about the Prayojana, verses about the Abhideya, the way, the goal, the way, Sambandha, the basic conceptual orientation that fosters the way, that, again, leads to the fruit. So that's another way to sort out what's important in the Bhagavatam, learn those thousand verses. Pujapad Sridhar said that, she, that he had an idea once to write a book like Bhakti Vinod's with, I think he was going to do 300 or something verses from the Bhagavatam. So this is the, you know, the beauty of such services are, are there, waiting to be rendered for the community. Hmm. Um, that said, uh, some of the sections of the Bhagavatam are not as important and they're not going to be cited. Like maybe the Vamsa, Vamsa the lists of the Vamsas, the kings and so forth, uh, it's not as, as important. Uh, um, uh, you, let's take the fifth canto where there's the description of the cosmology and so forth. Uh, Vishwana Chakritakur explains, this is a description of the cosmography for Yoga Mishra devotees or spiritual um, practitioners who's, who, who are, who, whose bhakti is mixed with yoga. Hmm? And so a, a, a form of the universe that they can meditate on. Yogis are all about the subtle body and chakras and all that. Uh, um, is there uh, very much uh, you know, preoccupation with such? So it's a very kind of subtle. He calls it actually a gross form of the universe that you can that yogis can meditate. Given the disposition of yogis, another place of the Bhagavatam Sukadev begins his description of the of the Godhead to Parikshit Maharaj by in the second canto by what a universal form, the Virata Rupa, where the moon is one eye, the sun is another. The trees are the hairs on his body. The birds are his artistry or something, his, uh, his, uh, his, his, his singing and so forth. And it's, it's powerful. It's a powerful meditation. Hmm? You know, look at the world like that and remember God. And it's for people who are more attached to the world. And the yogis have certain attachment, certain preoccupation, certain sangskar and so forth. So what, what Sukadeva was asked by Parikshit Maharaj was, tell me something. Material energy is one of the energies of Bhagwan. Hmm? You had said something about Prithu in the previous canto, uh, so about the world. So tell me more about the material energy because it's it's one of God's shaktis. By knowing about it, I'll know something more about Him and so forth. But it's a very abstract type of a explanation. So Vishwanathakritakar makes that comment, and he says, therefore, it's not for devotees who 
have the adhikar to meditate on the form of Bhagavan, Sisivarada Madhava, Tijai. We don't have to meditate on that, Jumbu, you know, Mangu, rivers, and Jumbu, Jumbu Dweep, and this type of thing. It's complicated. It's very complicated. The yogi mind is complicated. It needs all kind of subtleties and esoteric thing. You ever read like Paramahamsa Yogananda's commentary on the Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> it's like that. Uh, you know, everything has an esoteric meaning. You know, that's it. Metaphorical. Very, they're very metaphorical, and, and so on. I mean, it has value, but um, it's, it's, it's a difference down to them ours. But um, so that's what the yogis are like. Everything's a metaphor. So. This is at the beginning of the description of the whole fifth canto. Bishma says it's not for devotees to meditate. They have the adhikar to meditate on the deity. Hmm? Same can hold true for the universal form. If you have adhikari for bhakti, adhikari for bhakti, then you can do archan. Hmm? And so this is our form of the Lord that we worship on. So that section then may not be as important it's spoken by Sukadeva. There are different people in the audience when Sukadeva is speaking the Bhagavatam. And so there are sections he will speak for them. For them. Now it's useful, nonetheless, um, because he's speaking to Parikshit Maharaj and he's speaking for other people that are there, but he's also, in doing that, speaking for others, he's contrasting the path of Shuddha Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti, with Yoga Mishra Bhakti, Gyan Mishra Bhakti, Karma Mishra Bhakti, Varnashram, and so on and so forth. Like the Gita seems to be about all paths. People think, there's all kinds of paths in there. Pick, your, pick one that you want. You know, but if you study it carefully, you see it's about Uttam Bhakti. That keeps the, is the repeated theme. Manmanabhava Madhbhakto comes in the middle, comes at the end. Ananyachintayantomam yejanapayupashtesham nitivuduktanam yoga chemam bahamiham. Traguna Vishaya Veda, this Traguna Bhavarjuna, Nidvandas, Nitvisatvastoni, Yoga Chematmavan. Verses about Bhakti, about Nehabhukamanashusti, Pratyavana Viditi, Svarbhamasya, Apiyasidharma, Satrayati, Matavavai. It can't be about sattva, can't be about karma. Because the fruits from that are temporary. Anyway, this is one of the ways to understand a book. What is a theme that's repeated throughout? So, Uttam Bhakti, Ananya Bhakti, Exclusive Bhakti, Sarvadharman Pratyajalamami, Kamsaranamra. You can find a statement about Yoga Mishra Bhakti here or a section about it there, but in all the chapters, you're going to find statements practically about Uttam Bhakti, or all the three at least sections of six chapters. And it's a theme that's repeated. You can look at what's at the beginning of the book, right? What's at the end of the book? Get some idea what it's about. I often, when I get a, buy a book or I want to buy a book, I look at, read the introduction and I go and read the conclusion. Okay, that's what it's about, basically. Am I interested? Hmm? And then, of course, what's repeated throughout the book, the theme that you, you keep running through, and you know, like when I talk and there's a tangent, they go off here and I forget where I am, I come back, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Easier when you're writing, but. <laughs> so, um, so. In, in one sense, those, those sections that are not as important, they're also important because they contrast Ananya Bhakti with 
another type of bhakti, a mixed type of bhakti, or another path, and it helps you to see light, shed light on the the the, the efficacy, the 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 um, whatever the the, the beatitude of, of of bhakti comparatively. Um, you know, so anyway, the fifth canto is there. The, end, the, end, the fifth canto ends with the heaven, with the hellish planets. Yeah, and you got all these guys being tortured there, and it's like, whoa. And and, uh, and a lot of devotees, they, they they tell one another, "You're going to go to hell, and this is going to happen to you," and so forth. It's right there in the Srimad Bhagavatam. You know, if you do this, you do that. You're going to go to hell. You're going to get boiled in oil and so forth. Of course, if you read the book properly, you know, you, re- you come to the sixth canto, and the sixth canto begins with with Pariksit Marsh um, asking how people could be saved from the hellish planets. And and Sugadeva Goswami says, well, maybe by, I think by, by pious deeds. And Pariksit Marsh says, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> Because people become pious, and then you know, like the elephant, the elephant goes, bathes in the in, in the river, then he comes back and rolls in the sand. They gave that example. So Sukadev says, "Well, then I think by gyan, it's possible." Hmm? And he says, "I don't know if that's going to work because, like, gyan, you know, like he's kind of repressive, so you cut off the desires, you know. But I don't know if you got to the root. So it's like bamboo; it just might might come back up again." Hmm? So Sukadev's testing him. Hmm. By giving him these answers, and mm-hmm. and then he says, yeah, by bhakti," hmm? and he gives the right the, the, the answer, and uh, of course, then he goes on about about bhakti, um, and and the efficacy of bhakti with regard to chanting, in particular, and the story of Ajamil. Hmm? Where it's taught that even if you chant like a Jamil, you'll never see the heavenly planets. So the teaching is, from from another point of view, these heavenly planets, these hellish, excuse me, heavenly. I said heavenly, neither one, but you know, heavenly planets, hellish planets. <laughs> but you won't see the heavenly ones okay. either. Yeah. Hmm. No difference, right? <laughs> so it's another way of saying. Forget about that part of the fifth canto. That's, that's not of much interest to us. You're chanting Hare Krishna. You're you're doing a, pursuing your asadika of Uttam Bhakti. That has nothing to do with you. Hmm? Neither any of the other worlds, and uh, you know, because you're coming to the Nam Shreshtam, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Golok is your idea. Let's find the be concerned with. Skip up to the tenth canto. You know, so something like that. So. Um, um, uh, you then you have uh, a lot about creation, third canto, second canto. Of course, there's some important sections about with Brahman creation, like the Chaturshloki of the Gita of the, of the Bhagavatam are there in the ninth chapter of the second canto. And so some things are couched in there, but the there's a couple of well, a few different versions of the Sankhya philosophy in the Bhagavatam, which describe the nature of matter. Hmm. And how the world expands and 
how it can contract by yoga and so on and so forth. But in the sixth canto of the Bhagavatam, the Sankhya that's given there, the essence about Sankhya, in one sense, the important part about Sankhya is given there by Kapila Muni to his, uh, his mother, Devahuti. And there you have this very Bhagwat uh, Sankhya, if you will. And uh, um, Sankhya is the oldest philosophy, maybe, amongst the Indian schools of thought. And um, it's originally said to come from the Rishi, um, what's his name? Um, well, Kapila. <laughs> Conveniently, the Kapila in the Bhagavatam is God. <laughs> the Kapila who, who penned the original Sankhya philosophy, did the Sankhya Karika, he was an atheist. <laughs> so in the Bhagavatam, the Kapila becomes God. <laughs> and it is, it is a theistic form of Sankhya. And and if you study the teaching there to Kapila, the main point that's being made in that section is is Uttam Bhakti. There's some very beautiful verses about Uttam Bhakti. Hmm? And um, verses that, that Rupa Goswami cites in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu when he's defining Bhakti. Hmm? Um, and there, there he goes on to talk about Bhakti in in different modes of nature, people in different modes of nature with the different dispositions in relation to bhakti and so forth, sorts that out, what is Shuddha bhakti. So if you look at the section in sixth canto about Sankhya, the most important section about the Sankhya, it comes to be all about, ultimately about bhakti. Hmm. So uh, that's more important than sorting out the other, when there are different this Sankhya's got lots of different versions picked up, just like yoga's got a lot of different versions picked up by different groups and rishis. And so the Sankhya, which is kind of corresponds with yoga, these two go together. Sankhya is the philosophy of yoga, is the way to, Pastanga yoga, the way to realize the, the Purusha, the witness, the self, still. It's a, it's a dualistic thing it's not a it's not a it's not a Mayavad idea. It's a, it's a different Siddhanta, Yoga Siddhanta. Hmm. But anyway different versions even with the creation. You can look at it carefully. It says a little different here, a little different there. It's probably not I, I tend to think it's not as important. There's two aspects of Maya hmm, that Jiva Goswami brings out. Um, and that is Gunamaya and um, Jiva Maya. So Guna Maya refers to the actual nature of of matter, let's say. Jiva Maya refers to the extent to which matter or the Maya Shakti can delude the Jiva. It's power to delude the Jiva. So my way of talking about it is that that's more important to us than what the actual nature of matter is. Because if you understand it's diluting power and the means which is bhakti yoga to come out from underneath it, you can rise above it without having to be a sankhya. You know, ah. what is matter? Like these guys want to know what you know the atom is, and you know, these guys are heady type of 
people. The study of matter takes a lot of time and, uh, and energy. It's kind of the shortcut I'm talking about. It's, it can't be fully understood and it's deluding and you should transcend it and let's get on with that. Mm -hmm. That take also allows you to be a modern person, so to speak, and, 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 and perhaps suggest that the Sankhya system is talking about the world in a particular way, different than the atomists or whatever. Well, I mean, the modern people are in, in, in science from a different perspective, and maybe things from it maybe come with a fusion. Of the, you know, you get a what's matter is a huge what what is gunamaya to use that term? What's matter is like up for grabs. Uh, it's, it's really a huge issue in the. Uh, scientific uh, community. What is matter? What is consciousness? And that's all there is to know, as I've said. What's out there and who's looking at it? That's it. And nobody knows. we got a story and we, and we have many great stalwarts who realize it and see it in that way and, and they have very good qualities. And so we're, we're happy with that. But... Um, Modern science doesn't, doesn't know what matter is. I mean, they only know in a in a pragmatic sense of how to produce certain gizmos and whatnot from it, for the most part. Anyway, so that's all in flux. So there are sections about matter and uh, subtle matter. A good thing, part of it is the sunk is about the subtle matter. That's the whole interesting topic and modern science has to go in that direction. They have to go in the direction of accepting there is something called mind and it has different laws that it's governed by. It has to go in that direction. You can't, you can't continue to try to contain this all in a physical description of things. They want to describe everything physically and it's just not happening. There are things that aren't physical. Mind is one of them. So, Eleventh um, Canada can be pretty important. It's an afterthought. Hmm? It's thought to be the intelligence of Krishna. Some very good sections there. Very good sections on bhakti. Twelfth hmm? um, Canada is, is brief. Second Canada describes the ten subjects where we began and so forth in the tenth chapter of the second Canada. First chapter, Canto is, is very important. The whole story is great. I mean, it's, your three verses in the beginning that are the the introduction and all the ways they may be interpreted are very beautiful. Then the story begins. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. Well, the, the, the story of the sages. I mean, the story of the Bhagavatam. I'm saying the sages and the. You know the and the uh, and uh, what is his name? Sutta Goswami, hmm? and there are six questions, and then come the following chapters. His answers, and in the context of the answer comes Narada, and Vyasa's despondency, and Narada's answers to him about bhakti, and then Vyasa goes into the trance, and Sutta Gate relates in about six, seven verses, what was in the trance of Vyas that he, that he saw, that he came out from, and then wrote about. There's the whole Chinti Beta Beta is there. There's Bhagawan and his different Shaktis. He saw, this, he saw, he saw God 
like like the moon with its shine. So, with his internal shakti, he saw the maya shakti. He saw the jivas in bondage. He saw the remedial means to this bhakti and and so forth. And why did Sukadev study it if he already was realized? Well, because of what is the, that's just the way Bhagat is. Itambuta gunohari. He can attract the minds of those who have no attraction. This is his way. And then, then Parikshit Maharaj is introduced. Hmm? And this goes on for quite a bit. The birth of Parikshit, right? And the drone He's an important character, obviously. He's, and, and so then some of the stories, like the Bhishma Dev special, as Chidahari brought up, section that's coming because Prichit Maharaj, the story is on the battlefield and of Kurukshetra, right? And and uh, and uh, he's protected in the womb from the Brahmastra and so somehow I forget his anyway slips into Bhishma Dev and, and then Arjun is coming back uh, from from his meet, meeting Krishna in Dwarka and and or no, Krishna's disappeared, right? Krishna's disappeared. He has to talk about because after the Kurukshetra is pretty much heading to the end of Krishna Leela and so forth, and building up and more about Parikshit Maharaj, and then you know the chastising of Kali, the glory of Parikshit, and and the cursing, and boom, Sugadeva comes on the scene at the beginning of the first canto, and wow, you're yeah, hairs are on, standing on end. What will he say? Hmm. And Sukadev begins his speech, and so and then stories within stories, and so it's it's a, it, that's all very important section. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty good book overall. <laughs> but those are some ways to uh, to think about it. To think about. It. I mean, it's hard to you know. It's like. You know, twelve cantos, eighteen thousand verses. Where do you start? Where do you end? And, and of course, a good start with good with good guidance. And, and our whole lineage is full of good guidance in the, in the term of the form of the commentaries, the books of the Goswamis, the Lila Grantas of the Goswamis are all playing off the Bhagavatam core story of Krishna, hmm? and then they're you know coming off on that and different days in the life of Krishna and the basic story, but then they, each day is different, so, so, um, you know, that's some, some things to think about. There are, there are, you know, some things that make Srimad Bhagavatam a Purana, I think there's ten, ten, ten things that have to be there for it to be a Purana, so those are kind of built in, like the Bamsana Charita, they're not the most important. Uh, ten for a major and five for a but it's a major, right. right? So there's there's ten. Um, so those subjects are packed in there to make it a Purana. Hmm? Mm-hmm. But it's the Amala Purana, Vaishnavanam Priyam Amalam Puranam. So it's a spotless Purana. It's not dealing with the modes of nature, Sattva, Rajas, or Tamas, only with the Nirguna. Hmm? Only with rasa, it's a rasa book. Nigamakalbhutarogalitam palam shugumagadamadarabhasam vidam pivatam bhagavatam rasamalayam huraho rasitam uvibhavukaha. It's a rasa shastra. It's, it's a Purana, kind of. 
wait a minute, it says at the beginning, it's a Varasa Shastra. It's got the pranic element, so it's it's peculiar amongst the pranas. And therefore you find the, the pranas paying their obeisances to Srimad Bhagavatam hmm? repeatedly, isn't it? It's like Vyas wrote the Bhagavatam and then went back and wrote a couple of verses in so many Puranas. And glories to the Bhagavatam. And it says this, and it says that the story of Ritrasura is there. Hmm? Which is, I think, has maybe roots in the Upanishads, and which is a story in which Rag Bhakti is brought out, and the Kuma Purana says, and the story of Ritrasura is there. And, uh, <laughs> and what the, you know? So, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a beautiful story. I mean, it's a story of of you know, the Shiva's praising, um, what's his name? Chitraketu, as a, as a Narayana Parayana, who has, whose life is devoted to Narayana, doesn't care if he's in heaven or hell, liberated or unliberated. Parvati cursed him, took the curse, became Ritrasura, had a battle with Indra, struck by lightning, right? Started speaking Raghavakti. In his demon form. Hmm? So, <laughs> so anyway, the different Puranas are are kind of like pointing in the direction of Bhagavad. It's a special, it's special. I mean, it really is special from a theological point of view, from a philosophical point of view, from a literary point of view. It's very special. It's different than all the other Puranas, and therefore you find such a commentarial tradition to the Bhagavatam. As I said, there's over 80 Sanskrit commentaries on the Bhagavatam. How many think there are on the Kuma Purana? None. You know. And, uh, and then, 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 then it, it, you know, before our Guru Maharaj translated into English, it was translated into in French, German, I believe. So that, you know, the, the Westerners, again, they, they just thought, this is a special one here. Yeah. Yeah, the language is, you know, it's, it's full of this, uh, that Rasic voice. It has the. It's said, of course, you, you, you all know this, but that the that the Vedas speak like a king, the Puranas speak like a friend, hmm? and the Ras Shastra speaks like a lover. And Bhagavatam has all three voices in it. So, in so many ways, it's comprehensive. It described itself: Shruti Saram may come, the cream, the Saram, the essence of the Shruti of the Upanishads. Like Gita is thought to be a smriti because it's or itihasa because it's in the Mahabharat, but it's also called Gita Upanishad because it's spoken by Krishna, so Krishna's God, so it's spoken directly by that's what Shruti means, heard directly from God. So it has a special position in Bhagavatam. Describes itself Shruti Saran Ekam the cream, the essence of the Shruti. So, a very, very special book. And, you know, and who would have known? That's our Sampradaya. Gaudiya Sampradaya Kidai. Who brought this out? Nana Shastri Charana Kanipunosa Dharma Samstapako Lokanam Hita Karano Tribhubane Mandu Sharanyakaro Bandi Rupa Sanatana Ragu Yagoshi Jiva Gopalava. These to be always high on our head our regard for the Goswamis, what they did. Uh, all these jungle of sounds, as Pujapachitamash referred to them, the most voluminous body of literature on earth, the, 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 the composite of Vedic literature, they sorted it all out. Hmm? 
and presented the, the essence and gave us this... If, if you hear, like I'm speaking about it, for example, the special position of the Bhagavatam, well, you know, yeah, you go, well, it's pretty objective. Okay, but they're the ones that saw it, figured it out, you know, understood it, and pointed it out, and gave us a hub around which everything orbits. And so, that, you know, you're asking, how, what's the most important part of the Bhagavatam? Well, the Bhagavatam's important, you know, that's our, that's our main thing first to the world of, you know, of, of, of Vedantas, the Bhagavatam. It is, I mean, who would have known, who would have thought some verse in the, in the Kurma Purana, it's a pretty good Purana after all, says, Artoyam Brahmasutranam. I think it's the Kurma Purana, right? Artoyam Brahmasutranam. Gayatri Vasharupo Solvarata Paribramitaha. Artoyam Brahmasutranam. It's describing the Bhagavatam. It's a glorification of the Bhagavatam. Gayatri Vasharupo So. It's a commentary on the Gayatri, which is the original mantra. Om Gayatri. Like compared to the flute of Krishna. So the original Vedic mantra. All of the mantras follow. It's a commentary on the on 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 Gayatri Basya, Ruposo Vedarta Paribrimita. It's um, the, the it's the Samaveda of the Vedas. The Samaveda is like the hymns. You, know, you can get together and do kirtan of the Samaveda. So it's a beautiful part of the Vedas. It's the Samaveda of the of the Vedas. It's Arto Yam Brahma Sutranam. It is the commentary on the Brahma Sutras. Vedanta Sutra. And whoa, that's revolutionary. Therefore, Mahaprabhu said, we don't need a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. We have the Bhagavatam. It's a commentary by the, by the, by the author of the sutras himself. Hmm. These are revolutionary ideas, but you see how they drew them out. And who would have known? Would have, how they had to read the Kurma Purana to find that out, you know? And in the other Purana, I mean, Jiva Goswami is citing so many different Puranas, isn't it? and Dharma glorifying the Bhagavatam. So they had to read all those Puranas. I remember, I remember as a kid, and I was reading Prabhupada's books, I think, what is he, he, how many books is this, has he read? He's already quoting this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. Then I realized he's reading the Goswami's books, and they quoted this one, and this one, and this one. Like Sridhar said, they were, they, not to obviously diminish anything that Prabhupada did, but he said, that the Goswamis, they made, a, if you want to make a garland out of gems, they did the hard work. They took the gems and drilled holes in them hmm? and left it for us to put the string through. Hmm? They did the hard work of forming the Sampradaya out of all the sacred texts. They have the architects. They did the blueprint. They did the structure, the back end of everything. Hmm? Then they filled it in a little bit and they left it for us to do, to decorate and... And uh, do the design hmm? um, forever, forever. Uh, that's uh, that's easier than the back end. <laughs> I think it's anyway. They did the math, so to speak. They did the art too, but was, they left. They, they 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 made the canvas. They drew the basic picture, and then it can be ornamented unlimitedly. So their contribution is immense. They are our our uh, our credibility, as Prabhupada taught, derives from accurately representing them, hmm. representing their, their their teaching. And they, again, they you hear about it, you think, yeah, it's obvious, but they, they it wouldn't be to you. They came up with it. What is the position of the Bhagavatam? Hmm. So, yeah, those are some some thoughts.
What's the time?